Welcome to the Cell Culture Dish podcast, FBS, It's Not All Created Equal. I'm Brandi Sargent, editor of the Cell Culture Dish. Joining me today is Dr. Elisa Master, Senior Manager of Science and Applications at Nucleus Biologics. Dr. Elisa Master has 10 years of laboratory research experience, including five years as a lab manager prior to joining Nucleus Biologics. As a biomaterials engineer, her area of expertise is in the field of nanoparticle-mediated drug delivery, particularly for the delivery of cancer therapeutics. In graduate school, Elisa was the recipient of both the Medtronic Fellowship and the NIH Ruth L. Kirstein Predoctoral Fellowship. During these fellowships, Elisa developed a novel targeted drug delivery platform for intravenous delivery of photodynamic therapy agents. Following graduate school, Elisa completed a postdoctoral fellowship in the Department of Pharmacology at the University of Illinois at Chicago Medical School and a postdoctoral fellowship in the Division of Molecular Pharmaceutics at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill School of Pharmacy. Elisa has a PhD in Biomedical Engineering from Case Western Reserve University. I'd like to start by asking if you could please explain why FBS is considered the gold standard of serums. Sure. So FBS uh, stands for fetal bovine serum, as I'm sure most people are aware. And what it is, is it's a relatively ubiquitous cocktail of growth factors that's been used for decades um, after it was discovered that it actually fostered in vitro cell growth. And it's actually pretty different from a biochemical standpoint than different than other serums such as uh, adult bovine serum or even newborn calf serum. And it can cause different changes in cell phenotypes due to this biochemical difference. And because of that, fetal bovine is con- serum is considered more the gold standard and thus has become a little bit more expensive than some of the other serum on the market. We've heard a lot about the desire to move towards animal-free cell culture, but the data shows that FBS is still very broadly used. Why does FBS remain so popular? Well, I think for decades and for as long as I remember, people have been saying that FBS will fade away and new technologies and cell culture media are going to be developed and no one will ever use FBS ever again. But, you know, the reality is that those other options, those new technologies, they take years to develop, to develop. And they're often cell line specific. And so companies have to repeat this for every single project and every single um, department that they have. And that eventually becomes cost prohibitive. And on the other side, you have FBS. It's available in large quantities. Um, It works. And it's significantly less expensive. And so um, this is kind of why FBS is always going to have a place in R&D labs, but in fact, it's still going to be used, it's still used in, in cell therapy manufacturing, particularly for stem cells, as well as for uh, vaccine manufacturing, where quality and timing in particular is very important. Like you can't wait to develop a new cell culture media to get rid of FBS because, you know, people need that vaccine. And obviously, we hear about issues with FBS, and we hear about, as you mentioned, you know, uh, recombinant proteins and other supplements to replace it. What would you say are the biggest challenges that are facing the customers who use FBS regularly? Well, it's a good question. I would say the two biggest challenges are consistency and price volatility. And it 
It kind of comes down to, you know, how the supply chain is structured. For years, the industry's operated in a way where raw material suppliers change all the time. So if you're a company that sells FBS, you are not always getting the raw material source every single time. And what they do in an attempt to create consistency is they'll pool large amounts of product in an, in an attempt to dilute the effect of any one source. And as everyone knows, genetics and food play a big role in a finished FBS product. So when you get raw material from different breeds with different feed types, it can really make a difference in the end cell culture. And this kind of has led to everyone feeling the need to test lots because their cells react so differently to the different sources. And it would be a really good thing if scientists didn't have to do that anymore. And in addition, you know, the price volatility, it's a really big issue. And there are a lot of economic factors, even environmental factors that go into why that happens. But one of the big reasons is inconsistent sourcing. So if you don't have a dedicated source for your raw material, you have to keep going around and bidding in, you know, to different um, raw material suppliers. And you try to get the place that has the best price, but that's not going to be the, the, the same place every time. And you also don't know for a fact that you're going to be able to have a supply every time if, you, if this is your, your business model. And so this leads to, you know, changes in supply and demand, which cause changes in pricing. But that also links back to the change in quality because it's, there's no consistency when you have a different supply every time. And this ch change in price, it's even led to some issues with adulteration of product. Like there are, you know, obviously everyone's not doing this and I don't ever want anyone to think that this is completely industry-wide issue, but there have been cases of companies blending in calf serum or even adult serum in with FBS in order to cut costs. And it's really not a good thing for scientists because of those biochemical differences. And a lot of people think that FBS, you know, all of it's the same. And that's this ossified commodity-based market and nothing's going to change. But if people come in and change that whole supply chain model, these challenges can pretty easily be addressed. Right. And I think, you know, you touched on what I hear all the time as being the issues that people have uh, with FBS, and that is, you know, the consistency quality issue. And of course, the price volatility um, that you mentioned as well. So I guess my next question um, would be, what, why is the quality and price so variable for FBS? First, I would say let's define quality because it means different things to different people. So there are plenty of products on the market that say they're, you know, quote unquote, defined or characterized and therefore they're high quality. But what does that really mean? So one of the ways customers can determine quality is by looking at the certificate, certificate of analysis and knowing what do all these tests mean and why is it particular to their particular experiments? Like some cytokines are more relevant to certain cell models than others. And also knowing that whenever you add animal source components to your experiments, you're taking on a risk. And that's okay if you can mitigate that risk. And the best way to do that is characterize the living daylights out of all the reagents that you're putting into your system. Run as many tests on it as you can and know exactly what it is so you know what variables you've added into your experiments. 
I mean, that's part of why, you know, the FBS that nucleus biologic cells has so many tests on it. It's the most of anybody in the industry. And it's because we, when it comes to quality, you can't just trust a customer can't just say, okay, you said it's high quality. So I'm going to believe you. There needs to be actual data to back that up. And another thing that goes into quality is country of origin. And again, that comes down to what I would consider when you pick country of origin, it comes down to risk management. So some countries like Australia and New Zealand, they have really strict entry requirements for their livestock. You can't just bring a cow in and, you know, consider it Australia source material the way you could in the United States. And they also have very strict veterinary standards. And it makes the product from those locations so highly coveted. I mean, it even comes down to how they treat the animals on the day-to-day basis. So they RFID chip all of them. So they're fully tracked throughout their entire lives. They're grass-fed, for the large part, antibiotic-free. It's really different from how things are done in the United States. And so it's not surprising that it makes a difference to the FBS that comes out of that country. And so product from these locations, there's an incredibly low risk for contamination. And what happens when you have a product that is of limited supply and everybody wants it? Well, the price goes up. And that kind of goes back to that whole, you know, price volatility issue that I was speaking about earlier. And then you have the environmental factors that I won't even go into, you know, like when the the years where there is a drought, then you get extreme price volatility. So if you're a company selling this product and you don't have your supply chain locked down, then you're, it's going to cause issues in price. And you're going to say, well, I really need my product to be Australian source. I'm just going to get it from wherever I can. And then that's when you get a loss of quality. So they're very intertwined and, uh, it's really important to get high quality while not, you know, paying an arm and a leg to get it. And so, you know, if I were a manufacturer or I am a scientist, you know, you have to think about quality from a characterization standpoint and also the risk that you're willing to take because it can be really bad if your experiments fail, you know, production lots fail. That can be a risk that you're not willing to take. You mentioned differences in quality based on country of origin. And so from a customer perspective, I'm wondering, how can you really ensure traceability on your FBS product? So traceability throughout the supply chain is a really big issue in the industry right now. And the uh, the International Industry Association, the, so the International Serum Industry Association is actually making a big push to set up systems that can kind of ensure traceability. And what Nucleus has done is we've, you know, kind of come at it from the beginning where we completely control our supply chain, starting from raw material collections all through processing to bottling. And this ensures traceability and we can actually provide you information that no other company can provide you. So because Australia RFID chips every single animal, we are able to tell you through our certificate of traceability the exact number of animals that went into a lot and the exact locations where they came from. And no one else can do that because no one else has complete control over their supply chain and has operations set up the way we do. And 
I think that the industry is moving towards increased traceability and we're kind of taking, you know, taking the initiative to do that before people try to make this the standard by, you know, setting our own standard. FBS is purchased for both research and manufacturing purposes. What would be the advice you'd give to make sure that people are getting the best FBS for their project? If you're in manufacturing, you're likely looking for large quantities of product. And therefore, my advice would be be meticulous when you're looking about what you're going to purchase and from whom. So first off, start by looking at the certificate of analysis. Look at the technical specifications, which for FBS starts with hemoglobin and endotoxin levels. And the way I think of it is these technical specs are giving you an indication of the level of control your FBS supplier has over their processing steps. So lower hemoglobin means less junk per se in your FBS and therefore it's better. And you'll also want to examine the certificate of analysis and make sure that there are appropriate levels of certain biomarkers to ensure that you're actually getting fetal bovine serum as opposed to an adult bovine serum. And for people in the research area, I would give very similar advice. Without quality reagents, you're running the risk that your experiments may not work or even worse, may not be reproducible. Thank you so much. This has been really good advice, and I think it's, it's very sound for anyone who's using FBS. Is there anything else that you'd like to add for our listeners today? My suggestion would be make an informed decision when you're purchasing your cell culture reagents. Read the certificate of analysis. Know what testing has been done. Establish that you're buying something of quality because a lack of reproducibility, it ends up costing everyone time and money. Well, thank you so much for your time today. This has been really interesting and we really appreciate it. Thank you. Yes, for this edition of the Cell Culture Dish podcast. To learn more about this and other stem cell and biomanufacturing related topics, please visit us at www.cellculturedish.com or for downstream biomanufacturing topics, www.downstreamcolumn.com.